Welcome to MCMI, where a group of friends get together and talk about nerdy things. Hey, in this episode, we're going to be talking about True Love, Order 66, and probably the best movie of the prequel trilogy. Which says so much. It does. It really does. It's definitely the best movie. Hands down, by far. So I think... I think one of the things that uh, we should probably address is the intro to this film. Um, I believe it's the rescuing of Palpatine from Count Dooku. Did, do you guys even remember what the name of the ship was that they were on? No, no idea. I don't remember. Did it? I don't even think it came up. Like in the. It, I think they might refer to it as like Grievous's starship or something, or like his his leader or something you know yeah in a yeah. general sense i don't think that gives us that and this was title. also also keep in mind this was like before they had star destroyers or super star destroyers and yeah. stuff like that those dreadnought <clears throat> class ships and stuff but that's that's you know we'll get to that i'm sure um but yeah so he's you know they go in and they're trying to rescue palpatine obi-wan and um anakin yeah that forgettable guy that forgettable guy but he's got longer hair now which is kind of a change and now he's he's a bad boy yes he's the bad boy of the Jedi he's dressed in black and dark brown such a turd (laughs) those are the colors of turd oh my goodness you know what drives me nuts about that what's that so they get on the ship and I'm gonna you know kind of fast forward a little bit they're on the ship and they have their lights, you know, they're about to fight. Obi-Wan says his, uh, Sith Lords are a speciality. And it's like, bro, you just got waxed by this same dude. Anakin lost an arm, like, not that long ago. And now you're bragging about how good you are at fighting Sith. Like, that part always bugs me. But I don't know if it's just because I'm a punk. But if I'm Count Dooku and Anakin <laughs> has two lightsabers about to cut off my head... I am snitching like you would not believe. I'm going, he's the emperor. He's the bad guy. He's the one doing all of this. I, I would agree. Like, I mean, I would be <laughs> a machine at telling people what who's in charge of all but that. But maybe Palpatine is using force mind control on Dooku to keep him from doing things. I mean, it's possible. Or maybe Dooku did, knows the whole... Did we see that power featured at all, though? Like, I don't know. I would, like, I would like to believe that Palpatine does that a lot. If only Senator Amitahala were around. Oh, well, that's just... That's manipulatory. That's... But who's to say? I mean, because I love Palpatine so much because he's the only redeeming part of the prequel trilogy for me, I'd like to think he is... Well, he's so powerful, he's the only person who's in all nine movies alive the whole time. That is a good point. He's very powerful. Yeah, but even then, that's ridiculous. That he is still alive. Something ridiculous in the prequel trilogy? How <laughs> dare we? No, this is in the last three that I'm referring to, but still. But I'm saying, but like they even have an awkward moment. Anakin's got both lightsabers about to, you know, scissor his head off. And which then, is probably the most violent thing up to this point. Right? I think so, Outside yeah. of pod racing, which they just gloss over. But isn't that crazy, so though? <laughs> isn't that crazy, though, that... He, I mean, Dooku and and Palpatine share a moment where they're like, 
He looks at him, and he's like, kill him. And then you're faced with that very same scenario. This is why I can't stand Anakin. You know, he goes, he must stand trial. And then you flash forward an hour into the movie, and uh, Mace Windu has uh, Palpatine, you know, held down. And he's like, he's too dangerous to be alive. And he's like, no, we have to keep him alive. And it's like, you just killed the guy for the exact same thing. This guy's worse than him. Because he's been ultimately craftily manipulated by the strongest being, evil being, in the galaxy. Because he's a punk. Which we find out later in the series that he has a lot of other really cool powers that we don't we don't really know if he has access to those at at the stage of the prequel. Like we don't know what powers he actually had. But what we do know is that Dooku, not long ago, in episode two, tried to get uh, I think it was Obi Wan to join him because his predecessor Qui-Gon Jinn was previously a Padawan under Dooku's tutelage, right? And Yoda's, to be fair. But, like, I just think the the irony of that situation is, like, he, Dooku went to the dark side, and then suddenly, in this, this moment where Anakin has him in the, in the, this, like, crossfire of the lightsabers, and he's about to chop off his head, and, like you guys said, he's looking at Palpatine... And Palpatine just has this like disgusting look, and he's like so disappointed in his his apprentice essentially, and he's like, "Yes, that's right. I found a a better apprentice, and he's going to kill you." And I'm just like, "Oh my goodness, this is this is so cold blooded." Well, also it has the, his best line I think in the movie, which is, "Do it, do it." No, oh, it's such that's a, not it's his so, best one. The way his voice cracks right. when he does that—that that was just, that was the emperor coming out. Of I know him. it's iconic. It's the first like real glimmer of evil. It's so. I agree. It's the only time I'll probably use this adjective for these movies. It's brilliant. Mm. I do like his. Uh, he really breaks his. What's when he's when um, Windu has him down, and it's that same moment where he's like the reign of the Sith. We'll never rise. And he goes, no, no. And then he's like super angry. And then, of course, Anakin ruins everything and cuts his arm off. There was one scene, though, that... But can we talk talk about that force throw that he does on him? Oh, Ah! God. (laughs) That was not a force throw. That was uh, force lightning. Yeah, and then he goes, whoosh, and chunks him out a window. But that was force lightning, wasn't it? Or maybe it was a combination of the two powers. He didn't fly. No, he but he's still him. he's still being electrocuted. I think it's the electricity because he does the same kind of thing to Luke, yeah, and Vader that he like it's the power of the electricity. It's not a force throw in the traditional sense. That I know it's disappointing. Mm, I'm, I'm I can see it in your face. Respectfully disagree <laughs> with you. Keep in mind though, like the force lightning is so powerful that I think it's actually documented in some of the Star Wars comic books or whatever. There's like a moment where Palpatine's like on the surface of a planet and he's there with Vader and like he literally sees a ship in orbit and he just like force lightnings it and then it like destroys it. it like well, that's, goes episode, throughout that's episode 9. Episode 9 you see Ray Well that. that was like an entire fleet of ships but that's like it's so it's so like diffused at that point that it's like it's just kind of like scattering systems and and so, but I'm talking about like it literally cuts 
from the front of the ship to the back of the ship. That's how power yeah, well, you was. See. But he unloads all that power. When he's like, unlimited power! That's good, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Because he's the best character. <laughs> yeah, he does have, have some the, iconic lines. Well, he's the only character, actually. Oh, we're not getting into But the that. fact that Windu didn't just, like, explode when that happened. Like, that was impressive. I'm just kidding. Most of them. Okay, we're going to get back to that part. Okay. We need to go back to Count Dooku dying. Okay, so Dooku dies. His head's rolling on the floor. And... <laughs> sorry, is that, too, is that too graphic? Oh, it's great. Too soon. No, I think we've established that he dies. Yeah, that's how he dies, yes. So, okay. So then he, like, frees him, and that's when he starts to, like, get in his head, right? Like, I don't know if he ever really got in his head up until this point. But this is, like, the first time that I think him and Anakin are kind of seeing eye to eye. And I'm not, I think it's not too long after this that he kind of, like, recruits him, right? If I'm not yeah, mistaken. it's about halfway through the movie, yeah. Okay, so it's... A, it's, it's soon after. Quite, yeah. quite fast forward, like, if we just jump from this scene to that. But this isn't the first time but, that... That they've had moments like this, like Anakin. It says later, Anakin confides in him when he says, like you know, when he says, when they're talking about bringing people back, you know, he brings up the fact that the Chancellor Palpatine that he knows that Anakin killed those Sand people. Like nobody else knows that, but this guy. So Anakin, there's definitely a man- manipulation going on to where Anakin trusts him way more than he should. Because we were talking just briefly about like powers that he exhibits in Episode Nine later, much later in the franchise, but like because we were talking about that, that just made me rethink about how he's able to connect with people's. What I was gonna say makes you rethink your life. <laughs> Jedi mind trick. I'm gonna go home and rethink my life. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want like, to say death sticks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but what I, I where I was going with that is Palpatine is exhibiting in that scene that he is able to connect with other Force sensitives from like across the galaxy somehow, some way. He's able to like, and we find that out much later in in Episode Nine when he's like, "Well, I'm the one that linked." you know, your minds together. Well, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but, like, he clearly has a, an understanding of I'm not going to spoil it too much as I tell you that Palpatine is still alive. I mean, come on! Oh, Snape killed Dumbledore. If you uh, haven't no! seen... I'm sorry, if you're listening to this podcast and you knew we were going to be covering yeah, Star but, Wars... But they didn't know we were going to get to Episode Nine yet. We're only in Episode yeah. 3. What if they're watching this with us as you just ruined everything? Sorry, everybody. This, Turn it off now. Okay, but anyways, <laughs> I think that was a good that was a good example of how like early on we can see how that power comes to fruition uh, or like f- full fruition later in the series. Well, but I also else. think it's just a dark side version of the light side's touch with life because you think about Obi-Wan in episode 4 when Alderaan gets destroyed and he goes, "Oh, he doesn't know exactly what's happened, but he can feel this huge force surge of of death." And so I wonder if that's, you know, it, it, it's like a dark side distortion of, you know, being able to feel the connection of, you know, for either for Anakin, because it might even necessarily be that Anakin, again, because we don't get to see much in these trilogy prequels, that he actually told him about the same people, but it could be that Palpatine felt when he oh, that's true. put the anger out towards them, and then in a conversation manipulated and said, 
but what about those sand people? You know, I mean, if but I would that, think that Anakin would have said something along the lines of like, "How did you know about that?" But maybe not. He could have just been so in all. It of depends it. on how much he's under the thumb. So let me say this about Anakin. I've made it very clear. I don't like him. I think he's a turd. Uh, not a huge fan of Anakin. Hot take. There's only one part of this movie that I like and actually respect of Anakin, and that's when you know Obi Wan, like usual, gets the crap beat out of him, and he has uh, you know Dooku drops that. I don't know, let's call it an air conditioner on him. And he's like laying on him and he's like knocked off to the side. But he goes, you know, Palpatine's like, hey, leave him. Like he's he's gonna slow us down, and leave him. And Anakin says, you know, his fate will be our own. Like he'll have the same fate that we do. I thought that was pretty nice of him. Outside of that, I don't like him. But that's my only like kudos to you, Anakin. But Chris, tell us how you really feel. I mean, I can't stand him. Okay. When well, he burns up at the end of the movie, yeah, I go like this. <laughs> like, actually, speaking of force push, he should have been thrown right into that lava and that been the end of it. Yeah. But Let's not get to that scene yet, because you also have so many other problems with that scene. I know. That's, that's okay. not even the tip yeah, of we'll the iceberg. <laughs> so, really, I feel like this episode is just... Because there may have been some debate like early on when we first covered episode one... And then we moved it to episode two. But, like, there was debate about whether or not Anakin was really, like, a main character. Right? Especially with, I think, episode one. But as the the as the as saga has prog- progressed since then, I think there's no doubt that, like, Anakin is a huge integral part to what is going on in episode three. He's not just a puppet anymore. Right? He's well, not. You know, he's not asking. Hmm? He's a puppet for Palpatine. Well, yeah, yes. Is he being, like, manipulated? Of course. Big time. But what I'm saying is, like, some of the things he's doing. He's not just going to some, like, you know, dirt planet and killing some Tusken Raider people. Because that was episode two. Right. He's not just doing that. He's going to Coruscant and killing he's, his children. He's going. Exactly. <laughs> he's a kid. Because he's someone told him to. Actively participating in the sabotage of the Jedi Council and, and thwarting, like, their next generation of Force sensitives. And I'm just saying, like, if you were on the fence before about whether or not he was the main character, I think it's fair enough to say that, like, episode th- three really is paced by the progression of Anakin moving closer and ultimately into the dark side. Like, there is no, like, he's not on the fence. You see after he kills the younglings, you know, his eyes have even turned, like, to a different color completely when he's on Mustafar. So I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know how I felt completely about Anakin in the first two episodes of the prequel saga, but... By the third movie, I definitely, definitely did not like him. Like, well, first movie, he was a child, that so young he was, kid, and he right, was, but he was just like annoying. But well, also well, not in control of anything that's happening around him. Exactly. He's just dragged from planet to planet. He goes into a Naboo starship at the end. It goes on autopilot and then you know disengages it and sort of happens <laughs> to destroy the ship that's on accident. 
Right, sort of happens to, not like intention intends yeah. to. What does this button do? But episode two, you see him, and he is like talks about all the cool things he does and doesn't do anything. Well, not only that, but he's he's disobedient. He doesn't listen. I mean, he's everything that you hate about people in real he's life. He's everything like, that he complains about Obi Wan is. That is a great way Ooh, of putting it. That's a good yeah. But I will say this, I do like his character a lot better in episode three. I wish the acting was better, but I think... Well, when the writing is that bad, it doesn't matter. I think the transformation, when you actually see him and he's lost it, and Obi-Wan is there, and they're, they're both on the that river of lava, and they're on those machines and stuff, and he's trying to... <laughs> We'll get we'll, we'll get to that at the end because that is a, tell Chris those are lot, sore topics. There's a lot to say about that, but but when he's trying to con- convince Anakin that he's he's made the wrong choice, and but that's the other thing that makes me mad too is Obi Wan didn't really try to understand why he had progressed from his friend and ally, and you know his basically his brother to. Now he's like full blown dark side. He didn't even try to understand. He's like, I will do what I must. You know, that's like his whole. Well, I think going after, into it. it's holier than that. Great, we're getting to the end of the movie here. But after you but, watch him force choke Padme, mm-hmm. like the woman he is obsessed with, you watch him force choke him. Yeah. You know, and he says some of the things that he does. He's already at this point murdered children, yes. and not just like. Not okay, I, no, no, no. But let's take a step back. You're right. We also murdered Tuscan Raiden children in the movie before, so but child Obi-Wan, killing is not a new thing. No, in but Obi Wan doesn't know that about him, because had they have known that, I mean, obviously he would not have been a Jedi anymore. Like that was he for really a Jedi? Would, shut up! That would have stopped. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I guess this is my my problem. I agree that Anakin is is in many ways finally rightfully hated but they missed the opportunity to set up an arc where you actually liked Anakin at some point because yeah. Anakin was never likable he's not likable as a kid because he's just a kid he's annoying. and he's not doing anything right. we don't see the formative training years which is where we could have actually like learned why he's struggling so hard and learned you know more about his relationship with his mom there could have been a lot of really interesting things there instead we get an elevator scene that just covers it all <clears throat> so you're saying we don't ever get to see we don't ever get a chance to actually fall in love with Anakin and, and appreciate him bef- him going to the dark side. Right, there's I mean? no negative character arc because he's just, there's no arc. He's just negative and he just gets worse and worse and worse. There's no redeeming quality that we're like, we're supposed to, the, 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 the romantic relationship between him and Padme is supposed to be the redeeming quality, but it's so horribly creepy. done and creepy and all of that stuff that we, we talked about last episode that, that there's no... There's no, like, gut, like, oh, man. And, and I think that's represented for us in the way Obi-Wan responds because there's no positive relationship in the movies that Obi-Wan has with Anakin. He's always like, you're an idiot. This weapon is your life. You've got to be more careful. He's, he's always correcting him. Right. There's, there's no... So, so when he does say the things like, you are my brother, they don't land because you don't ever see that that was yeah, a real part of their relationship. You never see the camaraderie with them unless they're on a mission together. But even then, he's resentful. He's always trying to one-up Obi-Wan. And, and Obi-Wan he, is berating him. Exactly. He's like, Anakin, I hate it when you do that. And, you know, it's, he's almost like a... A burden? A, a what? A burden? Anakin, yes. But, like, uh, Obi-Wan's, like... 
the way he treats him. But no, I think it does it does stand to say like where Ben's coming from and he's saying like you never really get a chance to like Anakin. That's true. Be- before he makes the transition to fully become uh, uh, a dark side user and he's now Darth Vader once he's in the suit and the, all, all that. But like I I I defy you guys to name one time in episodes four through six, which we're going to talk about up here next, that, like, he's still a puppet. Where, where, where is he not a puppet in the entire yeah, saga? Yeah, he really gets shattered. I mean, because you even like, look at it like, even in, when you get into episode four, he's forced, Anakin's forced choking that guy, you know, he's Vader, but he's forced choking that guy. And then, uh, I can't remember who says it, but they go, Vader, let him go. And he's like, as you wish. And it's like, that's just a dude. Like, you could tear him up with, uh, to pieces with just your hands. Like, mm-hmm. but you're just, you're right. He's, you're right. He's a total puppet. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Again, we're not going to get into those movies too deep, but but Vader is actually really, I think, smartly human in 4 through 6 because he is following the military command. It's not just like some guy. It's Grand Marf Tarkin who's like, Vader, release him. You know, he's being told by his superiors mm-hmm. in a military sense, not just anybody who wants to tell him and then you see the fight with Luke in episode 5 where he does the big reveal and doesn't just kill him off because he has a plan from the beginning to destroy Palpatine he knows by the time A New Hope comes around it is implied that he knows that he wants to take over in the new dynamic of 2-6 well, he, he says it he right. says it yeah. but I don't know if he says it in A New Hope though I don't know if he says it, but I mean... But, but it's the, set up Luke, through that. Yeah. And so then you see him, and the way that he interacts with Luke, he's actually a human... There's a father figureness to him. Yeah. There's no humanness in the Anakin in the prequel trilogy. He's just like an animal yeah. the whole time. Can we Can we also point out... I, I hate the fact that we've gotten into talking about episode four so much, but can we also it's just... Like a, can, it is good. It's great. I can't wait to like cover <laughs> it, but... Because we touched on that, I do want to point out the irony that he does try to be this like father-like figure, even though he never really had that growing mm-hmm. up. It's like you could say that like Obi Wan was Obi Wan was his was father like, figure. No, because he I'm saying he, like he well no you can't say that because like they were similar enough in age that like he was more like a brother, and even Obi Wan calls him that in in Episode Three, but. You know what? If we digress enough back into episode three, where, where things really went wrong was when the Jedi Council, when the Jedi Council went in and they were like, okay, we want you to go spy on the only guy that's like really listening to you at this point. Like the only guy that actually cares what Anakin has to say or how he feels um, his insecurities about Padme. He's not talking to anyone, not even Obi-Wan, about this stuff, right? But to be fair, but, the Jedi also tell you to repress all that stuff. So I wouldn't talk to Yoda about my feelings because they're told sure. not to have feelings. Sure, like he'd have to hide it, but they can see through that. They can... Can they? They cannot if they can... They didn't find okay. out... Specifically in okay, episode... But, is it maybe... Is it in three or is it in two, the whole scene with Mace and Yoda and he's like, everything's so dark, yes. Yeah. Is that three? Or is it near the end of two? I think that was the end of two. Okay, so but still, there's the the Jedi Council has gotten so far away from the light side of the Force at this point that their ability to 
perceive anything is so clearly Yeah, Yoda says that countless up. times. Like, I'm just saying, like, he's in the room. They can discern, like, his emotional well-being and stuff. But what, what, where, where I was going I'm, with that... I'm going to go with a no on where, that. Where I was going with that is where they really screwed up is not only in asking him to spy on the, um, the Chancellor, Palpatine, but also they screwed up because they denied him Jedi Master status. So he's just going to be a Jedi for yeah. the rest of the time that he's no, a Jedi. Because the whole reason why they only approved him to be on the Jedi Council mm-hmm. to to please Palpatine. None of them ever had any intentions on putting him on there. That's because That's he wasn't true. ready for that. So of course they said, hey, we're going to put you on this council, but you are not getting the rank of Master. On and top of that, though, there's also the gray area of he's never actually become a Jedi Knight. He's actually working to become a Jedi Knight in his training. They call him a Jedi Knight in the opening scroll, but then the dialogue, he's not a Jedi Knight yet. So he's also trying to jump over a rank. So there's a lot of problems with trying to call him a Jedi Master because he is not a Jedi Knight even at that point. Yeah. Depending on who you ask, which, you know, George Lucas you could say You could almost say, though, that they're, uh, they're afraid of him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, his potential, like, as a medical Well, because he's he's the, you know, answer to the weird poetry riddle that yeah. no one ever really goes into. Well, and also, but there is, there is a big level of, they just, they don't, they don't trust, they don't trust the Chancellor at this point. For someone who's trying to gain that much power, like, when, when the whole Jedi's Council, when their whole interest is what's best for the Republic, and then you have this guy who's trying to get ultimate power, and then you have... That same guy who is showing a lot of interest in this one particular guy, mm-hmm. they start to get a little uh, fishy of it. And, you know, but, and, but then you even hear Mace Windu say to Anakin, like, hey, if this turns out to be true, when he talked about Palpatine being the Emperor or being the Sith Lord, he says, if this turns out to be true, basically... You follow this one simple instruction that I'm telling you, yeah. and you're telling me the truth. Yes. All you have to do is stay here. Yeah. You will have gained my trust. And does Anakin do that? No. Why? Because he's a turd. Because he has a history of never doing what he's told. And that's why they don't trust him. Yeah. Because he has, he's the most, he's the guy who's like, yeah, I'll be there at 7 to help you move. And it's 9.30, and Doesn't you're like, show. where's he at? And he's like, oh, I'm... Chris, we don't need you to project on this podcast. <laughs> if you want to work out those issues, we have another. Hold on. Oh. He's the guy who says he's going to be here at 6.45 to record a podcast. <laughs> and then it's 7.15 and he shows up. Hey, I hit traffic. So. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Matt, but that's fine too. Oh, no. Oh. He's just not here in general. Yeah. Um, so my only little tiny caveat to that, that we don't have to go in super deep, but I also question the, the intentions of the Jedi Council as it was regarding all this political stuff, which we already know the politics are a mess, but I think in some ways they're more afraid of the Republic falling apart because they lose their power at that point. More than they are about protecting the Republic, they are already, I think, to the point of trying to protect themselves. And so that non-trust of Anakin plays into, well, this guy isn't doesn't do what the 11th of the rest of us actually do. He's not part of the good old boys club that we are. And I think yeah. that's actually a, a, a part of the motivating factor. Not the primary one, but enough of a motivating factor that that's, it's, they're not as good-intentioned as... Well, we know that they're not as good-intentioned, but I don't think that there's any kind of 
fear of losing any kind of power or authority between... Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. If they're, if the Republic no longer exists the way it does on Coruscant, the, the Jedi Council's job is to be the ambassadors for the Republic, essentially, right? Yeah. In the galaxy. That's true. The emissaries. Yeah. Right. Yeah, ambassadors may about the right word. But, so, if the Republic is no longer a Republic and it becomes fractured into these, you know, the Trade Federation and, and all these different sects, the Jedi are just basically powerless from a political standpoint. And so what does that look like for them? They've held power for a long time. Yeah, so uh, obviously they're they're afraid of like losing whatever like place in the universe they hold through their academia, through their practices, through their religion essentially. Um, it would be kind of analogous to like if you dethroned like Catholicism in the world, like if Rome wasn't a thing, right? If if um, um, well, if Rome, I mean, it's what Charlemagne did, Charlemagne did to spread Christianity, right? So, but like my my point there is like, yes, they're probably afraid at this point that they're going to lose what trust the the galaxy has in in their um in in their um god I just drew a blank their ability to like competently do anything that helps in any meaningful way essentially right and 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 they've built up a presence in all these different institutions throughout the galaxy not just for recruiting force sensitives mind you Right, because they obviously they have to have the logistics to do that, right? And there's probably Jedi that are just like that's all they do, is go and they find Force sensitives and then they bring them. To they the bring their blast shield and their little you oh, know, laser. Oh gosh! Here we go. Okay, but more more to the, more to the point, I think that it's hilarious when you really look at it from or you kind of lens that is like everything that they do to meddle in the xenopolitics of the Star Wars galaxy. Every action that they take, there is an equal or opposite reaction from the dark side. And and they kind of like back the Trade Federation. And then every action that the Jedi Council takes, it it kind of like preemptively is like, okay, well, we're not really liking the direction that the Republic's going. So that, that makes other, you know, minority forces within the, the Republic Senate they're like, no, we're we're good. We're gonna we're gonna join the separatists on this one because we don't really like the direction that this is going. And in a way, they were right because they were like, yeah, we're we're seeing a centralization of power, and the Jedi are like really power hungry right now, and they don't want to lose that power, and and they're really meddling in a bunch of like planetary politics that they probably shouldn't. I don't think that was their mandate. It's kind of like. The CIA's mandate is not to operate here interdomestically in, in the United States, but everybody knows that they do, you know, if you had to, like, compare it to anything. And it's just, like, that that's more or less where I, I feel like the Jedi Council, like, really messed up, is they lost, lost the faith of the people. the people that they were sworn to kind of protect, in a way, using the Force. But it was they're using the Force... And trying to manipulate it instead of protecting the balance, 
that is where they truly messed up. They Which corrupted is where Anakin their, comes in and brings their, balance by blowing it all up. Pretty much, yeah. It was well. That's the thing too. They recruited him, and they were like, "Okay, we'll make the exception, even though he's too old, and he has all these emotional ties to like family and stuff like that." And he came from this really troubled beginning. We're gonna look past all of that because of his metachlorine count, and because Qui Gon Jinn, it was like his last wish to like train the boy and all this. But, but like, knock it off again. It's just. One decision after another after another, and it all stems from the corruption of power. The Jedi Council has been around too long. It is clouded by it, literally its own clout, mm-hmm. in that it it can't even discern when a deceiver is in their own midst. When Anakin is like torn emotionally, and he doesn't know what to do. Well, and Palpatine. It takes them and, so long to figure out that Palpatine is doing anything. And they, and they don't even yeah. figure it out. They just well, go, right. well, the, the end Anakin told goes. us. And you're like... <laughs> exactly. So, so what you're saying is the, the political picture of the prequel trilogy is really uh, a slam on the American dream and how just pursuing your dream screws everyone else's lives up. Alright, back to episode okay. three. Um... <laughs> Because that sounds can. like a much more interesting prequel trilogy to me, <laughs> and I'll have to go back and watch it with that in mind. Wait, was that a was that a cut on Jar Jar by chance? About my my earlier comments about in, in the yeah, you just episodes? yeah, you just had it on the wrong character. It was Anakin? Oh, Anakin's the American he's dream. He's the American dream now. Okay, got it. <laughs> Jar Jar's just a rabbit hole. Let's just stop saying that name. Uh, that's the other thing too. Jar Jar didn't. He wasn't really like. He's like in the one scene where they're like walking yeah, down the exactly. hallway, and it's, he doesn't even really talk. I think at that point they realized that they messed up with that character. Well, they missed the opportunity for him to be a Sith master. Uh, and speaking of Sith masters, we actually get to see, I think, the most Sith evil presence in this movie. You got Dooku. You got Palpatine. You got. Uh, if you say Grievous, I'm going to be so mad. You ready for this? You got Grievous, oh. and uh, I mean he's not. I guess he's not technically like a Sith. What is he? What is Grievous? He's a general. I don't know. He's, of he's, the, he's not force stuff. sensitive. He's, no, he's just a biomechanic. He's a robot with a heart. No, he's not a robot. He's a creature with a lot of fake parts, Cyborg, like Anakin. I think would be because he's no, so... he's an actual race of something. But he's so like manipulated now at this point that he's right. different. I'm glad that you say that. So there is a it, when. Excited, yeah. So, <laughs> if you guys a great toy. I'm gonna bring up a, if you guys a force can see push. the look in Chris's eyes right now. So, it's almost like a force push kind of twinkle. <laughs> it's about to happen. So, Anakin and Obi Wan are fighting. Yes, Dooku <laughs> does this thing where he holds um, Obi Wan in the air, like mid, he's holding him, right? He holds him there for a couple seconds. Throws him, drops the air conditioning unit on him. So then you go to the end of the, towards the end of the movie where Grievous is fighting with Obi-Wan. Where he, you know, Obi-Wan, he's the, he has the worst one-liners. But I appreciate them all. He jumps down, about to start fighting with Grievous. Obi-Wan is a Jedi Master at this point, right? Wait, can I just interrupt for a second? Please. Isn't that when he said, like, oh, hello there? Yes, yes. <laughs> He goes, hello there. And they're like, Obi-Wan. Yeah. But so. This is what, Kenobi. Yeah. That's what. His voice was great in that That's movie. what bugs me so bad. What? They're fighting. Obi-Wan quickly. Phew, one arm. Phew, another arm. 
why the heck didn't he just go, whoosh, hold him still, because he could have done that, and yeah. then went... We know, and that's the thing, we know that that's, that's something that they can do. I mean, if... Because if you can literally stop a force blast, like a, like a blaster bolt... Not there yet! But, but that's where... How about you use this analogy? If Anakin, who we never see do this before, yeah. can just randomly choke Padme and hold her still for a second, at the end of the movie when he's force choking her, when Obi-Wan sure. walks out... Why couldn't have Obi-Wan done that to General Grievous and just held him still and killed him? Is it possible, though? However unlikely, is it possible? No! Is it possible that maybe it had something to do with the fact that he had, like, four or five lightsabers? No! On... No, it's because Obi-Wan was only leveled up to, like, 29, so that force <laughs> power wasn't unlocked yet. <laughs> no, he already cut... He, I mean, he cuts off his hands, and then they end up getting to know... <laughs> He, they end up getting to no lightsaber. Obi-Wan loses his. Grievous loses his. Yeah. And then that he, weapon was his life. And then he hops, shut up, and then he hops on that bike and starts driving away. When Obi-Wan is like right there next to him, why didn't he just go, whoosh, force push, force him. push him off that bike and then have him? You have to look at the meter in the upper right, and if there's not enough force <laughs> power, <laughs> you can't oh, use this is it. You have game. to go. What, what reference is, is that? Oh, what? any video game. Any Star Wars video oh. game. Because powers, the way, my point in this is actually answering your question, the way that force powers work in all of the prequels are like a video game. They're only unlocked for scenes that they are needed for, so there's no consistency in the way they're used, because I'll go back to the point I made, that they do a super fast force run to get rid of the um, battle droids at the very beginning but of the Obi-Wan movie. couldn't have but done then that. he couldn't get through just... the stupid yes. red walls at the end of the movie to uh... save Qui-Gon. Which Qui-Gon shouldn't need to be saved because he was a Jedi Master. Well, he's, he's an apprentice. Anyway, but so it's the same problem. But that's the but that that approach to Force powers is the problem that you're really talking about with with the fight with Grievous. It's because it's the fight is scripted in a way to make an interest interesting potentially fight, not in a way that actually represents what the people can do in the moment. I'm telling you right now, if I was a Jedi, I'd be Force pushing everyone. Long line at the grocery store. We're whoosh. well aware of My that. mom telling me to uh, clean my room because I still live at home. Whoosh. Force push. That's kind of, that's what would happen. Wait, you would force push your mom? Or In a <laughs> Sherry, if you're listening to this, force push. <laughs> I'm is just that, Is that the new version of, like, step on a crack? <laughs> oh, man. Step on a crack, you force push. But, so, so, let's just take one tiny little sidestep then. Name me... Um, lightsaber fights in episodes four, five, and six that use force powers outside of just lightsabering. It's hard to think about. It actually does happen because in 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 and I know we haven't watched them recently, but in Luke's fight with Vader, he does use a little bit of force manipulation on oh, the yeah, stuff around him, dropping stuff on him. But there's no force pushing, right? We see force lightning, but not from someone who's actively fighting. We see it from Palpatine, who's just been watching. So it's not like Vader or Luke are actually using it. The the use of force powers in the prequels, my point in that is that they are absent fanboy, let's make this look cool and flashy. They're not done with a narrative point. They're done with a aesthetic point. You wanna so you wanna talk about force abilities and stuff like that. Let's get to uh, Yoda getting into it with uh, Palpatine for the first time. Uh, so, my least favorite scene yeah, in the movie. So this is a part that really like kind of makes me giggle. 
And Nick is very unhappy that I said that. So listen, listen. Because we are on opposite spectrums, as we've already learned. You'll... Just follow me on this. This is my only complaint about Yoda, is that I feel like, you know, he... He survives Order 66 up at this point, and he makes himself all the way into the chamber where the Chancellor sits before his yeah. his seat goes up, yeah. and he goes like, oh, you're the Sith Lord, blah, 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 all those ramblings. And then he, Palpatine basically says, I'm about to give you the whooping you deserve, and Yoda goes, huh, okay. And then immediately after that, Gets hit with force lightning and thrown across the room. Like, did you not see that coming? Well, I'm more impressed with the fact that, like, and and you can tell he can like, walk without his cane. But his lightsaber is that small. I'm more so cute. impressed by the fact that he was able to just kind of get up and shrug it off. As old as he is, yeah, and the fact that he later on in that fight he can absorb it in his hand. Yes, but here's my question: well, He did that with Dooku. Yeah, okay. How come you never taught that to anybody else? Like, I don't know, Mace Windu? Because I rewind about <laughs> well, three minutes and learned how the force powers yeah, are only used. You need both hands to do it? No, he did it with Dooku with did one. Did he? Did he? Mm-hmm. Oh. For sure. Because he hadn't pulled out a lightsaber or anything at that point. He just still had his cane and... Yeah. All right. So he was just caught card. He, well, what I in my again, I don't know how it's explained canonically. In my head, those things are, if 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 force energy can be used in a negative or a positive way, it's manifested in the negative way through the electricity, and Yoda is using his positive force energy to cancel it out because he doesn't throw it back. Right. No, he just yeah. absorbs it. Right. So, but um, I would say not absorb. I would say cancel. That's true. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. So, Nick, will you explain? Because I really want to get into Order 66. Okay. Will you explain, like, a quick little version of what's happening um, from the Dooku fight to uh, all of that leading up to Order 66 so we can talk about it? Because there's, there's a lot going on. Okay. Quick summary of everything leading to Order 66, then explain what Order 66 is. Okay, so obviously, as we already talked about, they rescue Palpatine and then... Uh, Palpatine has this this moment with uh, Anakin where he's actually like trying to compel him to listen to him and and, and listen to his guidance and, and everything like that and then there's a lot of uh, conflict and strife between him and Obi-Wan which I think comes to a head at, at one point or another and at, at some point he's just like making it clear to Obi-Wan and the council that like he's he's just going to continue doing whatever he wants. So we see that kind of continue that theme continues throughout the the prequel trilogy. Um, we you know, we saw that in episode 2 obviously. But as we get further into the xenopolitics of whatever's whatever's going on, um, and you see the escalation of force up until they do they do fully mobilize the clones and they you know they've got all these ships and everything like that like we saw at the end of episode two which sidestep I don't Maybe even I know where read. the where the funds came from I was gonna say I think it's, it's just, a fully funded project but do the ships also come from 
Um, the clone planet? Uh, he, uh... I don't believe so, no. So I've always wondered about that. Like, I understand the clone army, but, like, how do they get them around? I don't think it's ever really well explained. Truckers. <laughs> mm, not exactly, no. Because I'm trying to remember, again, I didn't watch episode two again, so... Because uh, when they're lining up the clones, they're not lining them up like stormtroopers getting ready to go on ships. They're just... There because they're like being trained and growing Camino. and all those things. Camino, yeah. Well, at the end of episode two, when they when they swoop in, well, when they mobilize the the clone army, um, and they're just kind of like standing on this balcony with with Palpatine and everything, and they're just like in awe of this long, long invested plan to create this clone army. Now, keep in mind, like this army makes up like maybe. A tenth of a percent of the population of the entire Star Wars galaxy. As big as it is, but there's still no other force out there other than the droid army that could really stand against it. Right. So that's that's why it's it's really like they're they're leaning on the genetics of the bounty hunter, Django Fett, is the reason why they, they think that they have like an edge. The the conditioning that the Kaminoans put into them. Now, the one thing that they overlooked, though, and this is, I kind of mentioned this before, is they should have interrogated, like, the Jedi Council should have, like, pulled one of these um, clones. clones out and been like, okay, well, how were you grown? And, like, what are what are the things that the Kaminoans had, had taught you and stuff like that? Like, not like a vampire compulsion where it's like, tell me the truth, but, like, they Maybe should be able insight. to say... They should be able to use, like, the, I'm not calling the clones as weak-minded, because the, the, the force um, hey, mind trick They're not in the room. You can, you can say about it. Okay, right. But, like... Well, but no, but I think this is interesting. I think it's more representative of how they blindly trust the Jedi, the Jedi Council. So, they blindly trust Qui-Gon for training Anakin. They blindly trust Obi-Wan, because he went to Kamino. He's their only connection. So, instead of them going deeper... They're like, well, this is fine. You know what I just thought about, too, though? Is in episode two, when they're in that, that arena above, uh, or um, in it's on Geonosis, right? Yeah, yeah. So when they're in the arena and the, the clone army comes in and disrupts everything that's going on, again, where did those, like, ships come from? And they're, like, totally decked out and ready to go. But, like... Nobody takes note of the fact that the individual who used their genetics to create the clone, nobody thought to question, like, okay, that guy was against us in this scene. Like, he was not on our side. And his genetics are spawned the whole lineage. Nobody took note of that? Yeah, but the flip side of that is he's a bounty hunter, and they do know he's a bounty hunter. So, I don't know. I think there's enough... enough I, I see what you're saying. I do that's too, where uh, I'm coming from when I'm saying that someone should have taken the time, whether it be the Jedi Council or an investigator for the Republic or something like that, or the Senate, a Senate inqu- inquiry into like the conditioning of well, these. Obi Wan no tried one, to, but then he got blown up. No one did their due diligence. Was no, no one did their due diligence so. to actually look into the motives of these clones. That would have prevented the mass slaughter that we saw with Order 66, I think. Uh, I don't think so. So so you said motive, and I think that's important. It's not a motive. 
It's a directive. Yeah. Directive. You see, okay. You see, and they might not know. I, I, I don't know that if you talk to a clone, it's, that you would be able to get into them and say and figure out their programming. Because if that's the case, then the Kaminoans did a really bad job of their job. Yeah. Right? Because if, if this Order 66, which is what we're trying to get to, is, is going to work the way that it does, it would have to be this hidden directive that only the persons who started the, the whole project would have access to it. If it was something that you could talk to any clone and be like, oh yeah, when they tell us Order 66, we're going to kill all the Jedi, like, that would sort of... Yeah, because then you also think, who was the uh, commander? Cody? Co- is that his name? At the one who, he hands Obi-Wan his lightsaber. Oh, oh. I know he's a big part in the, the Clone Wars on the, in the show. Right. I think it is Cody. Yes. It's Cody, Cody, I don't know, like that. My brother's going to correct me when he hears it, but something like that. Well, especially because he pushed his mom. <laughs> Force pushed. Um, so, but he goes like, here you go, General. Gives him back his lightsaber. Because it's his life. As he goes on. I mean, if you hadn't, like... Maybe hadn't even a, a thought that hey I'm, I might have to kill this guy in a little bit. Then why would you give him back his main weapon? You know what I mean. Right. So I think there's no. Well, idea. I don't think they think like that. It was yeah. like some MK Ultra stuff. It's like well, they, they literally brainwashed them or whatever, and it was so subliminal that they didn't even realize that it happened. That that was about to happen. Yeah. They did, they didn't know that Order well, sixty six was going to happen, but they. Nonetheless, as soon as they heard that order, that directive, it was flip okay, the switch. That's it. Well, since we've talked about it, let's uh, let's get into it. Order sixty six. Yeah, if people have watched the movie, they know what it is. <sighs> not everybody. People have watched the movie if they're listening to this. Maybe not. <laughs> that is the most. I think out of all of these Star Wars movies, that's the. Most like uh, what's the word? Not traumatic, but like definitely the saddest part. Tragic. Tragic, yeah. Of the of the whole series, I think. Of the prequel trilogy. Of all of it. Oh, I strongly disagree. Well, we'll get into that. I mean, you watch just countless Jedi's just get not only murdered but outright betrayed. Right, Jedi's that I don't care about because I never have to know any of them. I just saw them flash their lightsabers around for a couple of minutes. Yeah, it doesn't mean you don't care about them. It does mean I don't care no. about them. You sell those. You went on voyages with those people. I got more emotional when we thought. Spoiler alert: Chewie almost died. Yeah, of course we all did. So, so, but that right there is a more tragic moment than Order sixty six. Is my I don't point. Think so, so you're gonna tell me that the only big... because only because we were like invested in a character. No, only only because of like oh they're not gonna do Chewie like that. No. Yeah, you're right. That was. But you're gonna tell because me that's good. Movie writing! You're going to tell me that <laughs> Chewbacca almost dying was worse than knowing that Anakin was about to slaughter children. Yes, because again, I don't care about the younglings either. I don't care about anyone in the prequel trilogy as people because you don't get to know them as people. Mm. How dare you. I, <laughs> you I call them as I see them. You can it, call them all you want is to. Episode 3 is not an emotionally charged movie for It's me. not supposed to be, but it's a very sad moment to watch yeah. Anakin close that door. You know he's about to kill those kids. You know that you see all those Jedi get killed. Like, it's the end of the Jedi, essentially. Which is not a bad thing, because they're sort of not good. Which is the point I've been making. I'm just I. Yeah. This so, is how I feel. 
Let's get past Order 66. We're there. Very sad moment. We'll all agree, even Ben, that it's a super sad moment. It's the saddest part in Star Wars. I'm just kidding. It's not. But <laughs> it's a very sad moment, which leads up to the big fight. Probably one of the biggest fights. Chris's favorite moment. I can't stand this moment. All right. Only because of one thing didn't happen. No, 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 no. no. That one thing didn't happen like five times. No, but that's not why you hate it. You hate the logistics side of it, which is hilarious to me. Oh, yeah, the lava moving in different directions randomly. Well, no, you're like, they're standing on these platforms. How are the platforms not melting? That's true. My biggest thing before the fight actually started, though, when Obi-Wan gets off the ship and he's talking to Anakin, it's almost like... He's talking to Anakin that's, like, asleep or something. I don't know. It's like Anakin's sleepwalking. Because the replies that he's getting from Anakin when he's accusing him of doing this and that is, like, Anakin's just, like, he's not even answering the accusation. He's not even, like, owning it. You know why? He's just, like, he's accusing Obi-Wan of doing this, and you turned Padme against me, and... You know why? All this stuff. Because turds don't know how to talk. That's why Anakin, my friend, yeah. say it with me, is a turd. Actually, he's not even Anakin at this point. He's actually Vader. He's Vader, yeah. But... Oh, and that scene, too... Uh, not to digress too much from the from the final fight scene, but when he's, he, when he's like... And I'm just, I can't even do it justice. Like, I'd have to get right up on the mic to make it sound good. But, like, yeah, that was... So I got chills when right, I heard so that. So there's satisfaction in that. And then what happens next? Where, no, where's Padme? Yeah. Uh, you don't remember where you left her? Remember when you tried to almost kill her? Yeah. Um, and then, yes, everyone's the favorite. awkward... James Earl Jones whale impression. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about this fight scene real quick. Okay. Real this quick. is what I cannot stand. So, they're, they're fighting. Yeah, it's a cool scene. They're fighting on lava. Okay, so they're on these things that are machine controlled pretty much at one point, right? Like they're standing on top of one of them? Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. These things randomly stop at the right points. They, uh, the, the lava ends up changing directions like halfway through, depending on where they're going. And... It's a video game. Okay, shut up. And let me ask you this, Nick, since you're shaking your head at me. Let me ask you this. So, Anakin, and I'm turning in my seat so you can look at me. Yes. Anakin, or Vader, says, classic line, like, you know, you underestimate my power, blah, blah, blah. He says, and Obi-Wan says, don't try it, I have the high ground. Flips, pew, pew, off with his legs and his last good arm, right? What happens after that? He burns uh, up. He burns up, right? Like, yeah. he starts sliding closer to that lava, right? Right. How far away on that lava do you think he would be? What do you... Like, when he's laying on when the ground? When he is laying on the ground, sliding towards the lava. He doesn't go in the lava. Right. He starts catching on fire, right? When he's, like, I don't know, three feet away from it? Yeah. Okay. How high off that lava do you think they were when they were, I don't know, ten inches above it floating on a piece of metal? How come well, they didn't catch on fire then, Nick? <laughs> Well, okay, but... It's kind of like when he gets a lightsaber through the chest and that doesn't catch on fire, but it can cut through metal and melt it. So Chris doesn't think, like fire. I think the difference... <laughs> I think the difference there... And the, you're right. The logistics don't really make sense. <sighs> wow. What... What it is is 
you know, they've got those heat dispersion fields that are underneath the robots. You can see them while they're... While That's they're, got nothing to do with his clothes not catching on fire. Sure it does, because if it's dispersing the heat away from the the, um, the robots that they're standing on that are going down... Because, like, you have to understand, it's like it's not like the robots are made, or the droids are, are made of a material that's, like, immune to the heat. They actually have these, like, this blue kind of, like, aura that's under them that's not just... It's not just repulsing them off of the river of lava. It's also dispersing the heat. Yeah. You said under them, right? They're well, on... in around, like... Okay, what about when they're on know. just the big floating chunk of metal that serves no purpose to anything? Well, okay, but, so, that... the, but you're, the problem is mm. he, the heat is so hot when he's by the magma river because he's actually touching the ground, which is also hot. The metal can't be hot that they're on because it's being protected. And let's be honest too. Like and, and if they're if they're not going to catch on fire when they're on the thing, then anytime they walked when they landed on the ship, they would catch on fire. In your theory, and they should have. Well, oh, that's not how this okay. works. All right, but, but yeah, well, yeah, because we're talking about uh, people catching on fire in also, a magical space movie. Also, well, I was going to say I don't know why you can't suspend your disbelief. They don't catch on fire, but yeah, you can suspend it when they use or don't use force push. Oh no, they should a hundred percent use it. Every time. And he should have caught on fire. <laughs> Speaking of force push, let's talk about that. Oh. While he's on, there's a fight scene where Anakin jumps onto the same piece of metal as Obi-Wan. Yeah. He does this move right here. You know like when you're about to fall and you go, huh, huh, and you yes. do the arm circles to stop yourself? He does that. Anakin or Obi-Wan should have just went, Hah! force push, Phew! threw him into lava. That's all she wrote. It's done. But instead, he goes, come on, get your balance before we keep fighting. Probably because he still had... There's like, no probably. He should have done it. He probably had uh, yeah. a thing like deep in his, his consciousness that was like, you know, he still had a tie to Anakin. So what about well, when he cut his both of his legs and his arm off no, and then no, no. left him to yeah, die? That's cybernetic. You can replace No, no, that. no. But here's the thing, and this is where they, if they were better written, it would make more sense. The fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan isn't a fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan. It's a fight between Obi-Wan and himself. And he, it should be this dramatic thing where he's trying to reconcile the boy, the young man that he trained, and the evil person that he's becoming. And so, and on top of that, his duty as a Jedi and the, the thought of Anakin bringing balance to the Force and being the chosen one, that should be the inner turmoil that's being represented by these moments where he does or doesn't choose to kill Anakin. And by the end of it, he's like, I can't do anything about it, so I'm not going to kill Anakin, but I'm going to let him die. They didn't write it that way. Let me ask you this. Doesn't, didn't, Obi-Wan actually says a line... Like, you become the very thing you were supposed to destroy. Something like that. Right. Something along the lines of that. So Anakin's a Sith Lord at this point, right? No. Well, he's But he's a Sith, though, right? But the, yeah, so you're mm -hmm. saying Sith. No, he's just evil. Sith is a, is a way of learning, right? And the, Anakin is not under anyone's training or tutelage yet. So that's what I'm saying. They didn't write it this way, but they should have made it more about the inner turmoil of... Is Anakin truly fully 100% evil or not? I at think this, at, this at point, 10 though, minutes before that, he slaughtered children but and a bunch of innocent people in the the, the that ship that he just went on to kill uh, the Viceroy people and all them. We know he's evil. I'm saying Obi-Wan should that, be having the struggle. That wasn't a ship. That was on... Was on, on yeah, that's right. In the control Sorry. tower. Yeah, in the control tower, yeah. But, like, 
but here's the thing, though. He was referring to uh, Pal- Palpatine as Master when yeah. he was knighted. Because he says, "Rise." Okay, but yes, my master. Sure, but still. My point is, it should be a fight about Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's internal struggle. It's not a fight I, between Obi-Wan and Anakin. I do see where you're coming from. I because otherwise it doesn't set up, oh, he was a good friend of mine. He died during the Clone right, Wars. Right, you don't have enough time to process what's happening. Like, we've seen it, but Obi-Wan has been like, he's been a horse with blinders to Anakin's bad behavior yeah, this whole time. Right. He just refuses, like, he knows that he's a misfit. He knows all this, all these annoying characteristics that we've been, like, rolling our eyes at for you know, three episodes now, and like finally he's confronting. He's like, "Wow, it's not just that he's annoying and and he's contemptuous and stuff like that. It's like he's literally evil incarnate now." And I've and it's happened right under. So I do see where you're coming from when you say that that he's he's not just fighting Anakin, but he's also going up against like his idea of this misconception where he had this entire time. That he thought that Anakin was still there was good in him, you know. Can we all just agree? Which on he holds through the rest of yeah, then to the next three episodes. Can we can we just agree on one thing? He should have used force push more. If he would have used a force push, <laughs> okay, everything would have been different. But the next intense. intro is gonna definitely it's gonna include gonna like force push. Wait, and Chris is gonna talk about why. People should use force push more often. I guess my point is, I don't think Obi-Wan's intention is to kill Anakin. You always assume he's trying to kill Anakin, and I don't think that's what well, he's trying to do. Well, I only reason I say that is because when they're on that landing platform, he says, then I will do what I must, and then he starts Because fighting. that's where he changes. That's where he finally is like, I cannot change him. I have to do something else. Yes. So he didn't make that decision on the of a platform I'm, because was, he's fighting with himself. That was before. That was before the fight. He says... You're proving my point. I might be, and I'm confusing myself right now, but he says... He does not attack Anakin and actually cause harm to him until he realizes, I can't change Anakin. That's why he doesn't do push know, him into I'm the saying, lava and kill him. He says, then I will do what I must. They start fighting with their lightsabers, right? At this point, he knows Anakin's gone. He's lost. I don't think that's happened. He doesn't know it until they're off of the thing and he chops but him you un- But you understand, he could have accidentally... All Anakin has to do is not block one strike with that lightsaber, and Anakin's dead. No, that never happens. Because it doesn't happen. They, well, that's not ever, how they do lightsaber nothing, fights. Nothing ever happens until it happens. I'm just saying. I think Anakin, Lights- Obi-Wan had every reason to leave him. Anakin, Obi-Wan had every reason to kill him. He didn't because when he caught on fire, it was easier to just say that he died that way instead of saying he killed him. So it's, it's a it's a misunderstanding of what lightsaber fights are about. It's actually what the problem is, which is a sub-episode at this point. But <laughs> lightsaber fights are not about killing each other. They're about asserting a belief. Every lightsaber fight is actually about asserting every, a belief. Every, it that's true. If I can, if I can clarify on what he's saying right now, that if you look into oh, the, if you okay. look into the, if you look in, I'm, I'm telling dun, you, dun. I'm trying to learn okay. you something. Okay, learn me. If you look into the actual finesse that goes into the different styles and stances of lightsaber, um, uh, like swordsmanship, there are you know defensive tactics which are purely defensive. But they can be so defensive that, like, they are almost offensive, in, in a way. Like, you have such a strong defense that that then becomes your your offense. And there are actually, like, some lightsaber forms where you don't actually touch your lightsaber at all. You just, like, 
let the force like do it there was actually a couple um if you go into like away from the films and the other uh parts of the franchise there are actually a couple uh force force wielders that that will that are very well known for like using their lightsabers in that way so it just to elaborate on what he's saying it is a belief it is like a there's a finesse to it and I think the way that Obi-Wan is going about combating Anakin is Anakin's just filled with rage and that's that's how he's fighting but Obi-Wan is is lashing back at him and he's like I will do what I must to counter your anger I will do what I must to like to fight this version of you and teach you that you've gone astray or whatever but like at the same time I think there is a hint I'm just to kind of play devil's advocate for a second I will echo what Chris is saying in that he also I think knows that there's a chance that he's too far gone so that it's not just like I will do what I must and then he's he's like you know just play fighting I don't want to say play fighting because he's he's obviously putting his no, because if he wasn't he would have cut his legs and his arm off right but like at the same time when he does that and he tries to warn him he's like no Anakin don't do it he literally did that exact same maneuver well it slightly different you know scale but like when he jumped out of that pit over Darth Maul so that's you know when you when you look at it it's like up until that moment he was like okay you're not about to use my move on me son I'm gonna learn you something and instead of killing him which he could have because he cut Darth Maul in half Right? Because obviously if he's able to like kill yeah, a Sith, would... Sith apprentice with that move and cut him in half and then, I don't know, force push him over the edge. Whatever happened, some cosmic oh, fall. He, he falls. He just he falls. Just fall he just falls apart. But like, obviously he knows how to counter that move too. So he does. But he doesn't kill Anakin outright. He's just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end our lesson for today by cutting off your limbs and making you basically like but if useless. he <clears throat> if he really wanted to help him and didn't want to hurt him and wanted to really still try to save him he wouldn't have left him there to die well I don't think he wants to save him but I don't think he wants to outright kill him because think about Obi-Wan if he kills Anakin what does Obi-Wan do with the rest of his life why would you hold on why would you take Anakin even in that condition why would you take look at what happens if you're so concerned oh, about no, no, saving hold him on. Why would you be? But would you not also be concerned about your own life and well-being on a ship while you're transporting him back to where, like Coruscant, for like a hearing and medical treatment and all this stuff? My my point is like, why would you risk taking a force user as powerful as Anakin on board a ship where he could crush it like a tin can once he realizes like his life has changed forever? So you're saying that he should have killed him. I think that Obi Wan. I think Obi Wan took the highest road he could. Yes, given he was literally surrounded by, like evil, like like I don't think you can find a more evil looking planet in all the Star Wars. Oh no, you're right. But can you just say he should have killed him? No, I don't think he should have killed him. Because if he should have killed him, then why in Episode Four does he just stand there and take the lightsaber? I'll I'll say this, and I think I've already said this. Because he's a hundred at that point. Because a lightsaber fight's not about killing people. If it's, it's about asserting a belief. Right. Right. It's, it, you're, you're fighting... Ask Count, ask Count Dooku what that belief is. His God. belief 
right? Count Dooku thought, I'm going to be the next Palpatine. And then he found out in that fight, I'm not going to be the next Palpatine. If you in well, a very real way, was there was by two lightsabers. There was also a way. If you also look at Dooku's lightsaber, it was like curved, curved. and it lightsaber. was more of a regal kind of. Um, I think Dooku not necessarily Dooku, lightsabers really don't seem very functional though. If you look at their hands, yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah. But again, that goes <laughs> back to <laughs> it, that that goes back to the finesse behind the different martial arts of battling with lightsabers. But I think if it becomes a question of, to your point, Chris, if it becomes a question of should he have killed him, I don't know. But I will say this, and I think I've already said this, is that he could have, but he didn't. And I think that is what we're left with. Is like he yep, could have killed right he could have just sliced him in two like he did with Darth Maul. But he didn't. So as we move on, and we all agree that Obi-Wan should have killed Anakin, oh. let's go into, real quick, best character, worst character, 1 out of 10. Nick, you're up. Uh, best character in this case would probably be Mace Windu. I like, I really liked Mace okay. Windu. No, because he's the one that like really like goes in for it, and he, he could have, if Anakin wasn't there, there's a chance that Mace Windu could have held up his reputation about being one of the strongest Jedi. Oh, yeah, there's no that, doubt. You know what I mean? But you he also literally have to had think. Him at, he had Palpatine at, at the mercy of his lightsaber. But did he did he have that because Palpatine let him because Anakin was coming? Well, wow, you sounded like me right there. I but know, then, right? But then you'd also have to make the argument that he allowed himself to be electrocuted by his... He could have stopped electrocuting himself at any point in time. Yeah, which, I'm telling you this, if I'm Palpatine and I'm trying to be like, you know, put a show on, if my face starts getting messed up, I'm done. Uh, That's a stretch. But then he also... Okay, but, 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 but let me just finish my point about why I think Mace Windu is my favorite character in episode three. He's my favorite character because he just keeps it real, man. Yeah. He's like he goes in, he's like, "Oh, we're gonna, we're about to rest this fool." He comes in hard too. He's like, "I got my boys." Like the only thing for a half a second, <laughs> for like half a second, you're right. But then he like quickly dispatches Palpatine quickly. That's the thing. I think he was a little overconfident him. in his like why he was there and what he was there to do. But like, should have force pushed him. And that was really like right. lame how those two lightsaber duelists that were there with Mace Windu, they were infinitely more skilled than they let on in that scene. Oh, like, yeah. They, they, they totally undersold, like, how good those apprentices or, or Wait, Jedis were. us not knowing enough about the story of people in the prequel trilogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, yeah, a yeah. thought. Okay, Ben, okay. But that's, that's why he's my favorite, is because he kept okay. it real. He was just one of those, like, non... She'll not he was like no nonsense no nonsense characters where he just goes in and again you don't really have to guess what his intentions are he's he you can see like the look on his face when he's there and he's like this is it palpatine we've found you out we know that you're the sith lord that's been behind the separatist movement and you've been secretly corrupting the council and and the and and are clouding the visions of the council and also, you've been corrupting the Senate. Um, 
And I think what he probably would have also said too, if Anakin weren't there, is like you've been corrupting uh, young Skywalker. You know, but that like, would have been interesting for him to bring that up. Right. But but that would have also shown too that there wasn't just a mistrust for Anakin. We know that they had legitimate concern with him. It wasn't just worry like what is he going to turn into. It was like, well, we want the, we want the best for him, but we never really get to see that come to fruition. You know, the best never really happens to Anakin. We only see him be we only see him be manipulated and stuff like that. Okay, but digressing from that, my least favorite character is once again. Padme. She was in this movie. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> because she... You don't even have to give reasons. We know. She just... And I'm just gonna... I'm gonna be honest. The most nonsensical death probably in the entire Star Wars saga, she dies... Spoiler alert. She dies at the end of episode three after she gives birth due to... What? She got choked a little bit. No, it's not. It's not that. There was trauma to the trachea. She it's died not, of a broken heart. She died of sadness. Ladies Just and like gentlemen, anyone else who watches these movies. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I I rest my case. All right, Padme. Padme is probably the least likable character. In One the through ten. What's that? One through ten. Oh, the rating for this. Yep. Okay. Last when, week was very low because somebody gave uh, episode two a two, which was sure. generous. For <laughs> somebody that couldn't even like bear to watch it, um, okay, I'm gonna give it. Shoot, I'm just, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'll give it a an eight. An eight. I will give it an eight because we got to see lightsaber battles like we hadn't seen before. Like we saw some good lightsaber battles, even though in I dog it one and two. The, the like, lightsaber battle between Anakin and uh, yeah. Obi Wan, yeah. it's a great battle. Exactly. So that's my that's my score. Okay. Ben, once again, best character is Palpatine. I he has be... iconic lines, as we already talked about. We finally no. really see. No, do it, chills. Do does. it, do it. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's so. We finally it, he sets up who he becomes so well moving forward in this movie and I think it's so well set up in the previous movies as well that I mean there's an argument to be said that the nine movies are really about Palpatine yeah I'll give you that he might actually be the main character of wait spoiler alert that means Palpatine oh but if they're listening to this they've already seen it oh they've already <laughs> seen the tweets her name is Ray Star Wars um Ray Star Wars Alright, so best com- <laughs> best character is Palpatine yes worst character oh goodness I mean Probably the senator who takes the twins at the end because he doesn't get enough screen time. Wait, uh, Bail Organa. Bail, Bail Organa, yeah. Jimmy, what's his face? That's your least favorite character? He is such a great actor and they barely use him in the movie. He shows up in like three scenes and then he ends up adopting Princess Leia and we don't really get to learn anything about him. So, yes, it's not his fault, but it's just such wasted potential because it's not even worth talking about Anakin or. That's true. I would have liked to have seen... I don't know if it exists. Well, you do get to see a little bit of story of him. He pulls up and yeah. uh, and goes, Hey, what's going on here? And then he sees him kill that kid, and then he goes, I'm out of here! And then he hightails it out. All right, one through ten. Six. Six? Let me see. You said eight. Eight. Wow. So I'm going to go with favorite character. I'm going to agree with you in this one. 
the best character in this movie, and I think in, ep in episode three, is Palpatine. I mean, you see that evil come out. You see him manipulating everyone, and it's it's all one big evil game to him. And he plays it so well. He knows that... And that's another thing that's so great, which actually takes me to my, my least favorite character in this one is Yoda. Because you look at... I almost said Yoda. Because you look at Palpatine, who is a Sith... Like, I view, I view Palpatine and Yoda as, like, equals as far as manipulators of the good and the bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, like, huh. the best of the best. They really are. And you look at Palpatine, who was able to tell <laughs> that... What are you laughing at? Oh, Nick is very unhappy with... Uh, just listen, I'll explain. But you look at Palpatine, who was able to tell that... Um, what basically was able to figure out like that what the Jedi were doing he was able to figure out that uh, Anakin was going to be the one was basically spying on him he was able to use Anakin's to pick up on things that Anakin may or may not have done and manipulate them against him he was literally able to just talk to Anakin and convince him to come to the dark side like with just his words no actions just his words by saying I can't hold this any longer as he's electrocuting himself but as he's saying, I can't hold this any longer. Like, I, I, can, I can save Padme. And then that's enough to make him, boom, kill. But then you look at Yoda, who this whole time wasn't able to figure... Like, what is Yoda doing that is that is driving him so far away from being able to figure out that Palpatine is right here, that Anakin is being twisted? Um, and then you look at this fight scene, and Palpatine pretty much wrecks him. Like... He's essentially on defense the whole fight scene. You know what I mean? Like, Palpatine's throwing these chairs at him and, like... Yeah, I mean, I dislike the but, fight scene for different reasons, but yes. But he's also, what, like eight, nine hundred years old at this point? Something like that. He's super old. Okay, but... but that, see, we didn't really cares? get into this too much. I don't... We say old, but old is relative. I don't... He's not You're right. that old, I don't think, in the no, prequels as can, much as he is. But also, the, that fight scene should have shown how Yoda got wrecked and turned into who he is on Dagobah. Exactly. Instead, because they turned Yoda into a video game character to make a really cool scene for people to be like, this looks cool. Which makes me really sad. I changed my answer. It's also Yoda. <laughs> I really... <laughs> well, I'm going to give... I'm going to go in between, and I'm going to give it... You said six, right? Yeah. You said eight. I'm going to go seven. And, uh... I think this is by far the best movie in... Of the prequels. Of the prequels, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Close your remarks. Um, one thing that we didn't really touch on was also, I think, the, the fighter scene that, that takes place where they're, um, they're in the, their fighters and they're, there's like this big old space battle. Happens. You mean at the very beginning of the movie? Exactly. Um, that was actually, I thought, really well done for the, again, for the CGI that was available at the time. Oh, the CGI is, besides, I think, outside of the lava, CGI in that movie is awesome. What do you mean? Before, you, didn't, you didn't like the lava? Or? No, because literally one minute it's going one direction, the next minute it's going the other direction, and then it's like standing in, still. And In all fairness, though, there was a point when they were standing on the, the robots and they were doing this. Yeah, I'm aware. So, oh, okay. Right. Just Chris just wants him to catch on fire. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> like he should. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. I, and again, maybe maybe it's it's a it's a 2020 hindsight kind of thing. I sort of don't like the opening scene for that very reason 
because oh, it's very childish and playful. No, That's it's what I like well, it. sure the characters are bad, but it's shot as one of those like continuous one shot things, mm -hmm. which is really impressive when it's an actual film and not all CGI. Like you think about uh, what's the movie that just came out? Extraction. 19... That was a good one that has a solid like ten minute single. No, there's movie. a movie that it's the whole thing. It's a war movie. It's like 1917, 1916. 1912. I don't know. War movie. Insert war movie title. World here. War One. Anyway, it's not actually shot this way, but it was shot practically because um, you this cuts are so not seamless. But there's literally two cuts in the whole movie where you know like there's been a blackout and we're in a new place. But otherwise, it's it's set seamless. up so it's one. Right, and that's a very common film technique, and it's really cool when it's, you know, being done authentically, and just like everything, thank you. Welcome. I knew it was World War One. it was those, one of those years. Uh, and, and so to know that it was just done doing, doing, during CGI, I'm like... It's less impressive, I agree. Well, yeah, and so, but, but people were supposed to be like, oh, this is so cool because the technology can do it, and it's like, that's not, why, well, I'm, watching the, I'm not watching the movie so I can be impressed by the ability of the CGI to create... Yeah beautiful backgrounds. Alright. Well. I do video games for that. Shut up. I'm going to change the name of this podcast to Shut Up In. So that wraps Listen, up this we're episode. we talk about movies I like soon and that'll be a whole different Don't dynamic. worry. We'll have a you're, yeah you're true. You're right on that one. Well let's wrap up this episode and uh, next time we will meet to talk about the golden movies that is 4, 5, and 6. Yes. Episode so, 4. A new hope for this podcast. Is Matt going to be at the next one? Yeah, oh, for sure. He's going to start it. Oh, cool. He's excited. All right. See ya.